0: So as I mentioned the last couple of weeks, we're in the Easter season. The church is celebrating Easter. It's not one Sunday. It's the season leading us to Pentecost as we follow the church calendar. It's, it's not a season of fasting like Lent was. It's not a, a season where, uh, where we're dark or, and we're, we're thinking of, of the, the uh, crucifixion of Christ as much as we're thinking of the resurrection of Christ. And I love the Easter season I love how spring is emerging. All this is in my heart, and then, wouldn't you know, like life often happens, a friend of mine died suddenly this week with no expectation, and he's a friend of many people here. His name's David Lyons, and he was the head usher at the 1045 service for many years, and we didn't expect David to to pass away, but he had a, a heart attack, and and it happened Tuesday, and, and he was gone by by Wednesday afternoon. It, it was it was tough, a tough week, tough news. You know, life's like that as resurre- people of the resurrection. We're people of the resurrection, and we we have the greatest news possible. Jesus has conquered sin, death, Hades, and the resurrection has changed everything. And it's here, but it's not quite here yet. It's the already not yet kingdom of God. It's already here, but it's not yet in full fruition. And so we carry pains, and, and I realize that. Like, well, you guys come in here, and I mean, you're dealing with stuff that you can't even talk about. And on one end of the row, someone's life is shattered, and they can't even discuss it or talk about it. On the other end of the row, someone just had the best weekend of their life, and you know, they're go happy. They're, they're wanting Beth to do a happy, upbeat song because it matches their mood and the person at the end of the row is, is, is dying inside. And resurrected people, we live in that conflict. We, we, we live in that conflict of the greatest hope, the greatest story, but we still have sorrows until we see Jesus face to face and he changes everything. He changes everything forever. He changes even all of creation itself. So we, we had the Funeral service for David yesterday, and his his wonderful wife Becky is just a powerful woman of God, and a lot of a lot of friends from CIL were there, and I got I had the opportunity to co-officiate the funeral, so it was good to have um, my friends from the church and my uh, Randy Stecker, he uh, co-officiated with me, and as we we were leaving. Let me back up one step. Uh, David was an ex-air Force vet- he's an Air Force veteran, and so our government gave him the appropriate um, military honors. and what a haunting but appropriate honor that was. Uh, the, the gun salute, the presentation of the flag. all of that was just was so meaningful for someone who was such a patriot. And as we're leaving um, the funeral home, something happened that I had never seen at a funeral. We look up and there was a huge plane coming right over the funeral home. It was it, it, th- This plane was a S-17, C-17 bomber. C-17 bomber that is a really special plane. It travels with Air Force One. It's very unique, it's very rare that you would see it in a suburb like we did. You might say, how do I know all that information? Because I was listening to the guy next to me who was saying all that. <laughs> in fact, I kind of ruined the joke because I forgot what the thing was. I forgot the name of the plane just now. I was like, it was a SCB, something like that. So that tells you how much military knowledge I have. But I just saw this really big, cool-looking plane flying really low over us. Here's a, here is not the plane, but this is the type of plane that I was talking about. And it, it was just coming right over this funeral, uh, funeral home in... Rivergate, and it was like, I was like, wow, this is like, this happens at the Super Bowl, or this this happens maybe at the opening day of of baseball or something. But kind of rarely, I'm like, the the military went through a, a lot of effort to honor David. This is what I'm thinking. So I just instinctively said, "Who sent the plane?" And Donna Casper, she was she was standing right there. She went, "God sent the plane." Her husband, who earlier earlier had geeked out about what kind of plane it was and gave me all my information. He was like that doesn't happen. This doesn't you don't see this plane much and it's rare and so I, I naively thought it was just for David, but it was just circumstantial. And so we watched the plane kind of tipped towards us and, and we're like wow, wow, look at it and it, we kind of saw it fly over to where the airport is. Well, I think Becky missed missed it. If she did, she saw the tail end of it, but when we went to the burial, I'm telling this story. I told the story similar to, to, to that. And she said this. She said, you know, I had asked God to send me some sign that David's okay. And that was my sign. Isn't that beautiful? God gives us what we need, huh? Because as people of the resurrection, we get those touches of God that... Let us know that his power is still working. So as that graveside service unfolded at another very appropriate time, I don't want to get into the details of it, but but it was at the perfect time, right behind the cemetery, probably from here to the end of the building, not very far at all, a train came by like, like it was planned. And Becky lit up and she said, David loved trains. She said, this is the second sign. The Lord knew I needed another sign. And we, we laughed right there. We, we, you know, the, the people who were there, several that are here today, they were sad and still are, and you're carrying that grief with them today. But what a sign, huh? People of the resurrection, God gives us those touches and... The first fruits. And that's what the resurrection is. Jesus is the first fruits and because Jesus rose from the dead, all who are in Christ will rise also. We know that the people we love are with God now because God said to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. But we also know that there's going to be a physical resurrection of those of us who know Christ that will be a sign. And, and, and the beauty of that we can't even comprehend because God's so powerful. So I know that we're all dealing with a lot of different emotions, but we're people of the resurrection and God's here to touch us today. So the title of my message is Responding to the Resurrection. Because Peter said, Hey, everyone listen, this Jesus is Lord. This Jesus is the Messiah. This Jesus is alive. And remember what they asked? Well, what should we do about it? What should we do about it? I hope that's our posture. Hey, what what should we do about God? What should we do about this story? What should we do about this reality? And here's the first thing Peter said. I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. In response to the resurrection, we repent. We repent. We change our mind about our sin. We change our mind about who God is. And we agree with what God's word says. And we agree with God's principles. The word repentance is coming up a lot these days. I talked about that Easter Sunday. And I want you to know this, is that you need to be a woman of repentance. You need to be a man of repentance. Repentance is not a one-time act. Repentance is not something we do one time and then we have it made. Uh, We repent initially as the entryway into the kingdom and then we repent over and over again because our hearts will drift from God. Look at verse 38 again, what Peter said. Repent. And be baptized, each of you. That's why I'm so glad that we had six people baptized at the 9 a.m. service. I know we're having at least one person baptized in this service because baptism is a sign of repentance. Baptism is a physical symbol of the repentance that we're walking in. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want you to be insecure about your salvation at all. That's not, a, that's not what I'm talking about. I think we should have the security of what grace has done for us. I, I don't want you to live in paranoia. That's not what I'm talking about either. I want you to be confident of what Jesus has done for you. But I want you to realize that on a regular basis, we need to repent of wrong attitudes, of wrong language, of wrong perspectives, and of actions that don't please the Lord. And we need to be people of repentance when we're thinking incorrectly. This week I went with 11 other people, a group of 12 people from this church down to the Atlanta area, went to the Orange Conference, which is kind of the premier conference gathering of children's and youth workers. And what a great time we had. And I just want to say thank you for sponsoring us taking care of our hotel our registration our transportation what a blessing that is and it's a great investment by this church because great great fruit came out of our learning and our camaraderie and the ability to to go together the theme of this conference was being a good neighbor which i thought was an appropriate theme for this generation We want to be kind. We want to be nice to people. We want to be civil. These are all things that are extremely important in the culture we live in. And and it certainly reflects who Jesus is. So we all traveled down in three different vehicles because we had three different unique schedules. So on the way back, I just kind of told the group... I don't care who rides with who, you guys figure it out. I mean, this isn't youth group, right? So you guys are adults, figure it out. I'm driving a vehicle, whoever wants to ride with me can. So some of the ladies kind of made arrangements of who was gonna sit with who, and my car ended up with these three people. Now, if you're visiting with us, these names might not mean a lot to you. This is a little bit inside language, but I, I got Kyle Davis, who's our youth administrator, Greg Wilson, who's our children's pastor. Matt Malone, who's our youth pastor. The name The Three Stooges definitely come to mind when you think about that. I'm thinking, God, why am I getting penance here for uh, something wrong that I did? So these three guys are, are with me. And, and we, we actually had a nice, nice drive home, and, and, and it was fun and everything. They're three fun guys, uh, goofy but fun. And, and as we're traveling back, we're kind of stewing on all we learned, kind of just just thinking through it, talking through it, and talking about we need to be really nice to people, analyzing the talks. We need to be neighborly. That that was a term that came up. Friendly, kind, cool, all that type of tone stuff. And then we stopped to get dinner, and as, as good Christians do after a conference, we stopped at Chick-fil-A. You know, we just wanted to be there. Uh, and, and Chick-fil-A's pretty crowded, I mean... You know, you have to go through a little line like it's Disneyland or something. You follow the ropes, and we get to the front of the line, and there's five cashiers open. I'm feeling, feeling very neighborly. I kind of told the group. I said, hey, a dinner's on your own on the way home. You know, everybody, you know, we, we, everybody needs to pay for their own food and all that. Uh, but, but I'm feeling neighborly, so I told the guys in my group. I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy your meal and stuff. It's on me. And so we're, we're all in a line and, and four of us, we're, besides Matt, the other three of us are kind of girthy um, and, and we're, we're, in, we're in line and we're blocking the way. And, and so here's the beginning of the line. And I know on the podcast, you can't understand what I'm saying, but there's four, four or five cashiers and the opposite end, there's an empty cashier. And so I'm trying to be neighborly. So I go to the guy in line, very kindly, very pastoral, very Christ-like, I say, "Hey friend, there there's an open you need to come this way." He gives me the dirtiest look like I was some kind of idiot. I mean, he just gave me this look like I, I can't even describe it. He was like offended I, I was trying to help him. And so I had to say it again, and I said, "Please come this way, my friend, my beloved friend and come this way." And the purse, the cashier's over here waving, and he just gives me major attitude like Like that was the dumbest offer he'd ever been given in his life and he walks right by me. At this point as God's man of power and faith whose church had sent me on a conference who had listened to spiritual teaching for three days this is a time for me to be neighborly and for the love of Jesus to flow out of me. But instead of doing that I gave this guy the stare down all the way down to the end cashier. And I gave him, like, major attitude. And guys, we're so dumb. N- most of us, I-, I haven't been in a physical fight since fifth grade, you know? <laughs> and it didn't go so well, by the way. <laughs> and, 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 but I kind of bowed up, you know? Like, 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 you look at me, you don't know what you're crossing right now. You're crossing this path, and, and, and your life's in danger. That's kind of the vibe that I gave. So, so he goes down. So so we get our chicken sandwiches and sit down, and, and man, and, This is what it's like when you're walking with the Holy Spirit. Conviction came over me. And I was like, how in the world could I sit through all this teaching and advocate for all this and be so immature in my response? So we sit down at the table, and I said something like, man, I I didn't really handle that situation so good back there with that guy in line. Matt Malone says, yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) I think it was one of the happiest moments of his life. (laughs) So it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like this big heavy moment. I just casually said guys I gotta repent. That was not right of me. And, and that was it. That was the end. But I, I thought about that story as I was re- reviewing my notes last night for this sermon. Because we have to be men and women of repentance in the small things. And if we're not men and women of repentance in the little things the Holy Spirit's trying to sensitize us to, then we won't hear His voice on the big things. We wonder, how in the world can someone or how in the world can me make these huge decisions that greatly affect my life, greatly alter my walk with the Lord, greatly alter my ministry? We've seen that in our individual lives. We've projected that on others. One of the reasons is we don't let the Holy Spirit speak to us in the small things. So I say, brothers and sisters, repent today. I'm not trying to convince you that your citizenship is not in heaven. I'm trying to say there's little things in your life you need to turn back to God and be men and women of repentance. Because if the Holy Spirit doesn't have your ear in the little things, you'll never hear them in the big things. It doesn't matter how small it seems, be a man or woman of repentance. Because it's the doorway to power and obedience in your life. So Peter, in verse 38, we'll read 38 and 39 again. Peter said, hey, hey come on in. This is, this is early. They're going to hear some big big boy preaching right here. Sorry, kids, I have no puppets and no silly string. Um, it's just plain preaching, but come on, come on in. Join us. Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance leads to receiving. That's your second point. It re- it, repentance leads to receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come because of your favorite song. The Holy Spirit does not come through your favorite preacher. The Holy Spirit doesn't come through attending your favorite church. The Holy Spirit's power comes through repentance. It comes from being an individual who continues to agree with God about sin. You continue to agree with what God said in his word and what God is saying to you individually, how his word applies to you. And instead of resisting and excusing and justifying, you're saying, no, God, I'm repenting and I'm going to agree with you. And what happens is the power of the Holy Spirit comes on your life in fresh ways when you live for God and resist sin. See, when sin comes into your life, the Holy Spirit, the measure of the Holy Spirit you want, begins to flee. It begins to depart from your life. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It doesn't even mean you lose the Holy Spirit, but you don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit when there's sin in your life. Now, there's a lot of metaphors for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. One of many, many metaphors is that of water. Now think about this container here, if you haven't figured it out, is, is, a, is a, water, a temporary water baptism, and there's water in here. So when, a few minutes when our baptism, um, we used to call them candidates, but I don't like that term. The child who's getting baptized when he comes into the tank, and Pastor Greg comes into the tank. These people, which are objects, the, the water has to go somewhere. Okay, this, is a, this is a very basic law of physics. Very, one of the first laws, laws of physics that were, was established that, that water will be displaced when you put it in an object. And the more objects we put in here, the more water that's going to leave the tank. That's why, because we love you and you're being baptized, we, we really watch the water ratio here. It's never happened yet that someone's come in the water and water has overflowed. I may have done, I, I, that, that may have been me if that would have been, I would have been the guy, but we watch that because any object displaces water. And that can help us. There's a breakdown with every metaphor, but that can help us with the Holy Spirit. When sin comes into our life, more of the Holy Spirit leaves, more of the Holy Spirit leaves, more of the Holy Spirit goes. That's why the scripture says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So Peter says this repent so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we go to verse 40. Verse 40 says, and with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. This is what spiritual leadership does. Spiritual leadership in the form of pastoral leadership, prophetic leadership, whatever whatever you want to label the fourfold, fivefold ministry is it calls people to not be corrupted by the generation. It calls people to holiness. Calls people to to be aware of how sin can affect you. Be saved from this corrupt generation. That's why the third word that I want to give you is the word differentiate. Differentiate is not a biblical word, The the biblical word for that is to sanctify. Let God set you apart. Let God set us apart, differentiate us, sanctify us. Peter said, listen, I want you to repent and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm urging you, don't be corrupted by this generation. It's so easy in our desire to relate to our generation. It's so easy to be corrupted by our generation. I love the fact that Christians both as individuals and Christian churches and groups. We want to be relevant. We want to contextualize to this generation. But as you are relevant and you contextualize, the scripture is saying, don't be corrupted by that. Guys, listen, our hearts do drift. Our standards do drift. You know, sin does get into our life. And that's why the Lord's saying, don't be corrupted. Don't be corrupted by this generation pursue holiness. We wrongly believe sometimes that holiness is going to take away. It's going to take away my options. It's going to take away my freedom. It's going to take away my fun. But we don't see is that when there's more holiness, there's more Holy Spirit. So the more you pursue God, The more you go for him, he's not going to take away your life. He's going to give you more power, more authority. He's going to give you more victory over sin. He's going to give you more healing in your life. He's going to give you more powerful experiences. The call to sanctification, the call to being different, the the call to be holy is not to restrict your life. It's to get you on the pathway that that, that you've never been on before, the pathway of victory and wholeness and, and opportunity. That's what God has for you. And this is what happens. Here's the last thing, the last word, is then we grow. We grow. And I love what verse 39 says, or 41, excuse me. It says, so those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Isn't Isn't that beautiful? Do you know why people grew? You know why the church grew that day the church grew because there was a message of repentance and there was a message of the holy spirit fullness and there was a message of god's power and sanctification you know sometimes we're so scared and maybe you're not in these circles maybe you're not aware of this but sometimes we're like oh we're so scared that if uh, if, we get too, if we preach the Bible too strong or we preach against sin, we won't grow anymore. That, that, that's not the trend. All over the world where the church is persecuted and where scripture is taught and where the gospel is proclaimed with boldness and not with apology, that's where the church is growing. That's where the church is expanding because people want a real answer from a real God, a real God that's calling us on pathways of righteousness and holiness, and it will go good for you. We'll go. I know this today. I know this, that statistically more than 3,000 people gave their life to Christ today all around the world because the gospel is not just now contained to Jerusalem, to one place. All over this planet, the gospel is spreading and spreading and spreading. We're living in great days. But part of being an Acts church is not just taking the days when 3,000 people are saved, but really knowing too that there are days of persecution, there are days of scattering. I say this, through repentance, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through sanctification, the Lord will prepare us for success, and He will prepare us for persecution. He will prepare us for victory and He will prepare us for challenge. He will prepare us for plenty and He will feed us through famine. That's who our God is. We're not scared of any situation. We're not scared of any circumstance. We're not scared of any placement. We'll go wherever God wants us to go. Say whatever He wants us to say. Do what He wants us to do. And the one who is within us is greater than the one who is in the world. And it all starts. Yeah, come on let's thank God for that. It all starts with being men and women of repentance because week after week, you come and you put your time here and God is moving and he's calling you to respond to his word and respond to the table of the Lord and respond in worship and you can resist, resist and resist and resist and little know that you're dying right in the house of God. But I say this, I say that when we become men and women of repentance that every time God moves, he speaks through his word, he speaks through the songs we sing, he speaks through the encouragement of our friends and that we begin to soften our heart and we turn back to the Lord over and over and over again. More repentance, more Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit, more sanctification. More sanctification, more growth. This is what Peter said. This is how we respond to the resurrection. Amen?